When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. Because I'm motivated by something bigger than myself. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Here, my abilities contribute to our mission. Agency professionals have extraordinary integrity and exceptional talents. And every day, we do work that's incredibly important. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. pretty quick and we just basically ran the same two run plays the entire game uh, in the second half and I think uh, the other day I mean we we kept shooting ourselves in the foot going three and out so we had no rhythm couldn't get anything going and uh, we ended up running the same play over and over again when we did find that seam uh, in the second half so I think there's still a lot out there on the table obviously with what DK can do and what he can bring to the table uh, along with some of the other guys and keep putting the backs uh, in certain situations, I think there's there's still a lot out there, but uh, you know, looking forward to getting it getting it to grow. You know, to get it pl- planted, we just got to get it to grow now. And what's up, everybody? I'm Chris Clark, GamecockCentral.com. That was, of course, Gamecock offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield, who spoke with the media uh, earlier today at about 12:20 uh, p.m. He was followed right afterwards by. Defensive coordinator Clayton White. Media then heard from um, Darius Rush, defensive back, and then another appearance from special teams coordinator Pete Limbo. So all three of uh, South Carolina's defense or coordinators, rather, all three coordinators and all three phases of the game spoke today, along with Darius Rush, who logged his first career interception, of course, against East Carolina and has been a starter so far uh, through the first two games at a corner spot for the Gamecocks. Again, I'm Chris Clark, GamecockCentral.com. This is GC Live. Appreciate everybody joining us today. And uh, we're going to get started here with a bunch of stuff. have a little bit more audio and video from Marcus Satterfield. Going to get into what some of Clayton White said, some of what Limbo said, some of what Rush said. Good stuff from all those guys. I was in the press conference room uh, for all of those appearances. Jumped over here to get back with you guys. Wes is not with us today, but should be back later this week in advance of the Georgia game. Uh, But I'm glad to be here with you guys. Hopefully you're okay with being here with me solo. Thanks so much to everyone who joined in. Saw Travis hop in earlier, Seth hopped in earlier, Nathan, uh, all from YouTube. uh, Once I was in here kind of getting things situated. So uh, Nathan, Frederick, Daniel, Trey, 
Craig and Mark, what's up? Recognize all you guys' names, loyal listeners and watchers on YouTube. We appreciate all of you. So before we get started, before we dive in, I want to start Marcus Satterfield, offensive coordinator, some of what he said. There's been a lot of talk, rightfully so, about the offense through the first two games, particularly when you place that in the light of South Carolina facing what may be the nation's best defense on the road at night in Athens against Georgia. And uh, obviously the praise, as we mentioned yesterday on the show, from Shane Beamer, the head coach, has been effusive for the Georgia, the entire football team, but in particular the defense. Uh, Clayton White spoke about that. Pete Lumbo spoke about that. Um, and so did Marcus Satterfield today. They all had high praise for that Georgia team as well. Before we dive into all that, of course, want to tell you a little bit about Clint Hammond from the Mortgage Network. He is our primary presenting sponsor here for GC Live. Clint is a Gamecock fan, a supporter of GamecockCentral.com, and a supporter of this show. His NMLS number 71597, C. Hammond at Give his office a call, 803-771-6933. He is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. So if you're in the market to buy a home, refinance your home, if you have questions as to whether you should do either of those things, make sure you give Clint your first call because he is a Gamecock, he's a friend of the show, and he's outstanding at what he does. So winning combination there, obviously, and we appreciate him being our primary presenting sponsor. All right, now, want to do a few things today. Number one. If you got questions, this will be a little bit of an abbreviated show. Hang with me. There's a lot going on here midweek. Um, so Wes is not with me, so our numbers may suffer because he is obviously the star of the show. Um, but we're here, so I want to take your questions. want to get to a little bit more of what the coordinators said. So we, if you open the show, if you were here at the beginning or if you're here before the beginning, thank you. You saw what Satterfield said, and the question there, everyone, was relating to the offense and kind of its struggles through the first couple games. Obviously, Eastern Illinois, that game didn't really tell us a lot. We knew the competition was inferior. If South Carolina would have really struggled in that game offensively, that would have told us something very negative. They did what they were supposed to. They kept it very vanilla. Marcus Satterfield even saying against Eastern Illinois, they basically ran – a couple different runs against Eastern Illinois in that game, the entire game, because it got under control pretty early, right? Didn't learn a lot that game. Against East Carolina, a little bit of a different story, right? What they ended up doing in that game was shooting themselves in the foot. So there were, I think, four three-and-outs. Marcus Satterfield mentioned that he knew the stat. He was not happy about it. And there are constant things of shooting yourself in the foot. Now, some of the things Satterfield mentioned were small things. Being off on a few steps for a lineman, tripping, not hitting the hole, missing just a few different things there that added up. He noted that once they got into a rhythm, when they found, I think he used the terminology, once they found their seam, a seam in the second half, they went to that Basically, one running play, which was that outside zone stretch play, East Carolina had been super aggressive, sending basically zero blitzes, which is man-to-man, daring you to throw the ball, blitzing right up the middle. And South Carolina started countering with that zone stretch run that we saw Juju McDowell run 
very well late in that contest that ended up, you know, being a, a huge difference offensively for them in the game. What I found interesting was Satterfield had kind of mentioned that there's still more out there against Eastern Illinois. They didn't need to run anything else against East Carolina. They had some things that East Carolina, obviously you weren't going to be able to run inside zone against them because they were sending a bunch of guys. I've diagnosed a play with Nick Jones, former Gamecock receiver, uh, by the way, if you're a member of GamecockCentral.com, three different plays that Nick broke down still on our front page. The big kick return, which Pete Limbo talked about today, and also Josh Van's RPO almost touchdown, really good play, didn't secure the ball at the goal line. And then he also broke down one of the, that outside zone stretch play, the final one that Juju McDowell got Parker White in position for the game-winning field goal. That play was very successful. Nate Jones noted that they, the ECU basically, they would have nine guys in the box, right? And ECU was sending blitzes. They got a little bit undisciplined going up the middle. South Carolina countered. So I say that because for fans wondering, are we going to see some different run plays? Probably so. Um, Satterfield mentioned four or five different ones by name today. I mean, he talked about what we've seen outside zone duo, um, the, the stretch outside zone play. He mentioned draws. There's more to be done there. What will they? What will the game plan be against Georgia? What will they break out against Georgia? Will it be anything new? I couldn't tell you for sure, uh, but it's obviously going to be a monumental challenge. It's something that they're going to have to clean up. They're going to have to get out to a better start, which of course is going to be a very very tall order here. So again, a little bit more Satterfield audio coming. Want to hit on Clayton White, want to hit on Pete Limbo. Also want to hit on your questions. So if you've got any, throw them in. Keep in mind, solo, shorter show today. We'll probably wrap up about 3 o'clock. But I don't – can't promise you today I'll get to every question, but I do want to get to some. Nick Babb on Facebook, are we going to see a more expanded playbook against Georgia, judging by Satterfield's vanilla comments? And, and yeah, that's good question, Nick. I should have put that up before I started talking. Maybe so. That doesn't mean that South Carolina is going to throw the kitchen sink out there if they don't feel they can execute it. But will they do some different things in the run game? Probably compared to the first two games, if I had to take a stab, I, I would I would say so. I, I would I would say that would be something. Um, Mac and Dino podcast. What's up, guys? Hope you all are doing well. Why does everybody act as if South Carolina doesn't have some talent to be on the field with Georgia? Look, I, I, w- I would answer that this way. Um, there are certain spots where South Carolina is, is – I think there's one spot where you look at the talent and it's probably up front on the defensive line where South Carolina is most comparable with Georgia. At most spots on paper, and, and even not on paper, even just past production, Georgia does have a talent advantage. Now, that's what I would like to reiterate – or made the point of that's not a unique thing to South Carolina. Georgia is probably more talented than any team they're going to play this season. Um, There was maybe an argument for Clemson and and that played out, right? Clemson has a ton of talent on that football team. Georgia ended up winning in a very close fourth quarter, low scoring game. If Georgia, you know, maybe let's say they run the table and they go and they meet Alabama in the SEC championship game, that'll be close from a talent perspective. 
But this is a team that has four and five stars in their two deep and, and even in their three deep. So, you know, it, it's it's not as if anybody's saying South Carolina doesn't belong on the same field. Um, but when you look at the raw talent, you have to acknowledge just objectively that Georgia's got as loaded of a roster from talent in the starting line, top to bottom, depth, even with some injuries um, at receiver, at quarterback, defensive back, tight end, even with those, they have more depth, more talent than almost any program in the country. They're, I mean, they're easily top five, and, and then you just can kind of start arguing from there. So South Carolina, you know, you look at their defensive line, for example, they've got, I don't know, three to five almost surefire guys that are going to play pro football there. Um, and there are others on South Carolina's roster at different spots. But Georgia, the point is, they're a loaded team. And when Shane Beamer says this is the most talented Georgia team he's ever seen, when Marcus Satterfield and Clayton White and Pete Limbo basically just kind of start laughing about how about how good and talented this team is. It's not um, it's not just hyperbole. It's not just pumping up an opponent. That they're you know they're really good players. Travis Edwards from YouTube. What's up, Travis? Um, no, that's actually not the question I wanted to put up. Yeah, the, that's the issue of subbing out O line. You can't get cohesion. So. Travis, I would say, j- just to be fair, in the ECU game, South Carolina went the distance with their starting offensive lineman. I think I want to say they played 64 snaps. They played the, the starting five with, uh, with, with Jazz at left tackle, Gwen, Douglas, um, or I'm sorry, Nichols, Gwen, Douglas, and then uh, Dylan Wanham. That, those guys played all the snaps against ECU. They did sub in some guys course against Eastern Illinois. A bunch of linemen ended up playing late. They did sub in fairly early. They gave Ja'Kai Moore and uh, Vershawn Lee an opportunity there. So that was kind of one of our questions, right, in in big games where it's not necessarily out of hand. Uh, will, will South Carolina sub more against East Carolina, which was, of course, a very close affair, South Carolina being down or up, you know, or, or tied, uh, you know, very close game throughout, right? They did not sub in that in that contest. So, um, just 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 to be fair, there. All right, Mark. Mark, no offense, but Chris by himself, not bad. I'll take it. I don't know. Mm, did you expect maybe a little bit less, maybe? But I appreciate the kind words, if that's what you mean. I certainly wish Wes was here. I, I miss him. All right, let me play a little bit more. I want to hit on this because, of course, a question that everybody is going to have um, about this week and just this team in general is about Luke Doty. Now, here here is Marcus Satterfield with a little bit on Luke Doty and Zeb Nolan and maybe the offense as a whole. And this isn't revealing of anything in terms of where Doty is in his preparation and his readiness for the game, but I thought the comments are pretty interesting nonetheless. So let me pull these up real quick. We constantly are growing the DK package and you know the multiple backfields and stuff. So not a lot. We had the plays on there. If, if Luke was able to to go, he could have went and executed. Uh, but you know him and Zeb are going to operate the same type of passing game and run action game, play and keeper game. So uh, not a lot. And after watching, so that was a question to Satterfield about the difference in the playbook overall 
with Luke Doty under center as opposed to Zeb Nolan under center. Again, we we have already set the table for you guys that when you when you turn on the game on Saturday night, there might be more information that comes to light. Shane Beamer's call-in show tomorrow night. Carolina calls 7 p.m. from Backstreet's. Maybe he gives a little bit more then. Maybe something else comes out from us or somewhere else between now and then about the readiness of Luke Doty and his status. The staff has, of course, said that they expect him to be 100%, right? But we've detailed to you guys it's not just, okay, is the foot 100%. You've got soreness. You've got mental and physical readiness to play. How much good practice time did you get in during the week? Because we know he's done more in practice you know, how much and how ready is he even relative to, say, Zeb Nolan. The reason I wanted to highlight that, uh, those comments by Satterfield, was because um, he he mentioned that Doty could have gone Saturday if they really needed him. Again, That they appeared they really didn't want to play him. They they didn't feel like from a soreness standpoint that he was going to be ready. It seemed like maybe he was, I guess, an emergency option, you could say. But he mentioned he looped Luke ODM with the DK package, the carry on joiner package. So I highlighted that because maybe on Saturday, maybe, maybe Zeb Nolan starts and Luke Doty comes in and he runs a smaller package of plays. You know, he noted that he's comfortable with that. Maybe they don't feel okay, we can't give Luke the whole game from a whether it's a health standpoint, they don't feel feel like he's still got some soreness. Maybe they feel like he's not fully ready based on practice time, mental and physical readiness. I don't know yet. To be clear, I'm not saying this is what to expect. We don't we don't know yet. Uh, we really don't. It's, it's just Wednesday. Craig Godwin, good point. Doty just got out of a boot a couple weeks ago. It's not as simple as, especially quarterback, it's not as simple as, all right, guys, I'm out of my boot or I returned to practice this week. How impactful – is the time that you have at practice. Because once you get out of a boot, you've got the stiffness, you've got the soreness. So then you're getting yourself back into physical shape. Once you're back in physical shape, then it's working back into your routine and getting back into the bulk of practice. And then the mental reps that come with that as well. So it's not that simple, not that easy. So, all right. Um, If you got any more questions again, Hop on YouTube. I hope you're on YouTube. If you are not, hop on YouTube.com slash Gamecock Central. Make sure also, if you don't mind, guys, hit the like button. Subscribe to our channel. That helps us out a lot. It's free, obviously. And if also, you'll see that little bell down there. If you hit that, that will turn on your notifications so that every time we go live with GC Live, which is right now, Monday through Friday during the season, um, you will get a notification that we are live. The numbers have continued to steadily climb, which I really, really appreciate. Let me, since we're about the midpoint of the show, let me tell you real quick, and I saw a shout out earlier to Primal, where we were earlier this week. Had an awesome time out there. Uh, We had a shout out to Primal, and we had a shout out to Dead Soxie. So let me tell you about the fine folks at Dead Soxie. Put up this banner right here. It's going to show just, I mean, the smallest of samplings from their huge online catalog, men's and women's, dress socks, athletic socks, no-shows. If if there's a kind of sock that you want to find, you'll be able to find it at Dead Soxy. And if you think, that's kind of boring, 
look, everybody needs socks, and you might as well make them high quality. Soft feel, patented nose slip technology. They've got the college line of the spur socks that you see up there in the top left if you're on our stream. But they have socks for all occasions, and they are outstanding. Take it from me. Go there, take 25% off your order with our special promo code COCKY. So appreciate that, everybody. Now, let's get back to your questions, and let's get back to more comments. Now, Sean Smith is our O-line. Hey, Sean, hope you're doing well, by the way. Appreciate you checking in on the show. Is our O-line as bad as they've played so far? So this is a good question, and it's a question that Shane Beamer addressed during his Tuesday presser. It's a question that Marcus Satterfield addressed today. And after this, I want to move on to Clayton White and Pete Limbo and your questions. Satterfield noted today that basically he was asked, has the O-line, have they played as poorly as some people think? And he said to the layman, maybe so. He, like Shane Beamer, went into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of that. He noted, for instance, that two of the sacks that East Carolina had, they should not have had any pressure at all. And most times, and, and I'm thinking back to last year, having flashbacks to last year on that, most times if there's a sack or if somebody takes a look at a stat line, they're going to say, this team gave up five sacks, the offensive line stinks. But without context, you, it's not that simple, right? Even if you're watching the game, it's not that simple. You see a sack, the natural inclination, and I'm with you on that, that, that's the automatic starting point. The natural inclination is the line stinks if you give up a sack. He noted on two of those pressures that basically they had slid the protection. Uh, the protection shouldn't have been slid, and that left someone that was unaccounted for coming off of the edge, and then the offensive line has to try to rebound from that. So that's not an issue of a guy getting whipped or even an assignment issue. So it all works hand in hand. Satterfield also, to, to be very brief, they touched on the fact that they've got to be able to not shoot themselves in the foot so much to stay on schedule. And also they've got to get the downfield passing game going, which is something we've talked about pretty consistently here, right? You can't pass the ball. If they don't respect the pass, teams can load the box and then you're going to have to really get creative and really hope that you spring a run, right? So uh, all those things work hand in hand. As the offensive line bent, can they play better? Oh, there's no doubt, right? But when a team is consistently able to bring more guys and you can physically block when they outnumber you, that's a tough ask of your offensive line. So you got to be able to help those guys out by being able to pass the ball better. Yes, schematic adjustments, you got to make those. We saw that later against ECU. You got to do all those things. Marcus Satterfield also noting that it's tough as an offensive coordinator to see your team go three and out or turn the ball over and still have the discipline to continue calling the run, but he noted that they were able to lean on the defense, you know, in those situations because he knew that they were going to get the ball back in three, four, five plays, and they were able to, to, to keep at it. Sam Dunham, good point. Most of the time when I see a sack, I immediately think the quarterback should have thrown that away. Rarely do I see a sack 100% on low line. Good, good point. Sometimes, look, it, there's all different types. Just like an intercept, most of the time people are going to look at an interception and say the quarterback made a horrible throw, a horrible read. Not always the case. Offensive line play is probably the most complex thing out there to actually judge um, because you've got five guys working in tandem. You've got plays in which everybody has a role to execute, and there's so many different things that go into it where 
yes, it all starts with the O-line, as you pointed out, Nathan. Definitely it starts there. But there are so many nuances to it. And I'm not defending and saying oh, everything's been wonderful up front. They've played outstanding. They get an A+. plus. No. But it, it is important to keep the proper context in mind. All right. So I want to move on to Clayton White. Clayton White, by the way, guys, he's done an outstanding job. Now, the opponents have not been good. Let me go ahead and get – they have not been – EIU was not a quality team. They, they shut that team out. East Carolina, better team. Didn't do much offensively, right? They got a, a field goal. They had a touchdown with a short field. They had a trick play. Okay. You know, it, it, was, a, it was a very good performance still – by this defense, particularly because the offense wasn't moving the ball, right? So uh, early in the game, so defense still had a very good performance. Pick six, interception by Darius Rush, his first career. He was thrilled about that, you could tell, and uh, said it was a dream come true to, to put on the Garnet Black, the Block C in play. So really cool moment for Darius Rush. He talked about that today a little bit in the media setting. But – Point I want to make on Clayton White, the competition goes up from here. The players have recognized it. They've said it. The coaches have definitely recognized it and said as much. Uh, this defense is not going to shut out Georgia. You know, that that would be – if it happens, it'd be a national storyline, right? It's My point is it's not fair to expect that. They're getting into league play. The amount of talent steps up, whether it's on the offensive line, quarterback, skill positions, it's going up. So if South Carolina starts giving up some touchdowns the next few weeks, it's not going to be because the players got worse or the coaches forgot how to coach. It's going to ebb and flow with these competition levels. But there's some really good things that you've seen from the defense. They've been the strength of the team so far. The defensive lines led the way. It's a really good group. They have depth. They have legitimate talent. They've stayed healthy so far. Shane Beamer would, would queue up a, a knock on wood there for sure. And they're having fun. And, and I think Clayton White's done a really good job of, of scheming up. Um, and they've done a really good job of coaching and developing the guys. I think you look at a lot of players that have gotten better. Zach Pickens has gotten a lot better. You know, you look at Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson, his first year playing true linebacker, he's done really well. Darius Rush has gotten a lot better. You know, Cam Smith has gotten a lot better. They're a bunch of players that, despite the competition level, you can see that they've gotten better. And so big, big test, big test coming up this week, no doubt about it with Georgia, and uh, that's that's been talked about a ton. Clayton White, little bit of a of a lighthearted note, uh, kind of a funny note. He, he mentioned he's talked about Aaron Sterling, which I still feel like is a guy that is not talked about nearly enough. Lots of people talk about Enigbare. I'll give the GC Live crew here credit because we asked a question the other day, Wes did, about who do you think is the highest graded player on PFF on this team? Several of you guys said Aaron Sterling. So kudos. You guys you guys recognize the game. Um, he he just raves about Aaron Sterling, and he mentioned that if there was if there was a situation where some business had to get handled that he would, he would lean on Aaron Sterling. He said, I'm not saying he's a bully, but he's got some bully tendencies. He was later asked if Clayton White was, who would be his bar fight guys? And he said, I didn't say a bar fight now. I wish I had the, I wish I had the video queued up of that. It's pretty funny. But he mentioned his three quote-unquote bar fight guys, 
not a bar fight, but his back alley guys, he said, Aaron Sterling, Sherrod Green, and Brad Johnson. So a few guys from the front seven uh, that have that have played well uh, for South Carolina so far. And then to Pete Limbo. Yeah, Pete Limbo, you can tell. I mean, this guy was a, a former head coach all the way. He's very engaging with the media. He's very good, comes in joking around. Um, he's very, very thorough, and you can see – you know, why he's so good at what he does. Um, but he mentioned the Juju McDowell special teams play was a, that a field return is what it's called in terms of how it's set up. And he said that that's been kind of a go-to really good return for him throughout his coaching career. He compared it to, you know, your favorite shirt, favorite pair of shoes, something that he goes to. And so they, they got it set up. They did well. Talked about Alex Carrera or Alex Herrera. I'm sorry took over the kicking duties, uh, the kickoff duties last week, talked about Parker White a little bit just in terms of his mentality. So good stuff today from the coaches. And if you want more, look, we'll have all the video, uh, GamecockCentral.com. We'll have some clips cut up. Kendall Smith, our video intern, doing an outstanding job with all that stuff. Colin Taylor, we'll have more content on that kind of on all that stuff today in terms of what Satterfield, White, Pete Limbo said. Um, if you guys want to continue checking that out on GamecockCentral.com. Let's see. I had another question from Charles. Chris, how would you game plan offensively for Georgia? Well, that, that's um, I'm glad I'm not in that position. Marcus Satterfield even mentioned, and don't get mad about this comment, guys. I think he was tr- you know, trying to kind of make light of it a little bit. He, he mentioned he said 17 for Georgia, number 17. He said he scares me, you know, but they they have a lot of dudes up front. Here's the biggest thing for South Carolina. You can't get behind the sticks. You can't have negative plays. You can't turn the ball over. They're the greatest chance for South Carolina in this game to spring an upset, and it would be from a point spread differential, guys, it would be a monumental upset, you know. Maybe monumental is a little too strong. It would be a significant upset, right, for the, for this team to lose night game in Athens against this team. The, the great equalizer, as we saw in the last game down there in Athens, the great equalizer is going to be turnovers. And so for South Carolina, you need to force some defensively, and you definitely can't afford to do it offensively. So, you know, he, here's kind of the, the crux of the problem for South Carolina is they've not – been productive in the passing game not we've seen a couple little flashes but it's against subpar opponents right especially with georgia you go from eiu and ecu to georgia it's about as big of a difference as you're going to see you know georgia's defense personnel is is far superior to most sec teams that south Carolina's can play this year there's that big of a difference from a talent standpoint so Georgia's going to be able to. Now, how they do it, I don't know. Uh, they may feel like they can plug the run with four. If they can do that, it's going to be a really long day. They may feel like they're going to be super aggressive. South Carolina's got to get something going in the passing game, right? So you are going to need to bank on some big plays. They're going to have to hit some explosive plays. Georgia's probably planning to single cover guys for the most part. Um if they're going to devote that much personnel, but you're going to have to find ways to scheme guys open, find some explosive plays. 
have also got to run the ball with much more efficiency than they have in the first couple games, which is a tall order against this defense. Got a guy like Jordan Davis, their big space-eating defensive tackle. The front, the linebackers, they're all really good. They've got depth. They can roll guys in and out. But that is how they're going to do it. So in terms of game planning, if I can get Doty involved, again, you have to assess, is he ready? I want Doty involved because of his legs, right? Um, if he feels good enough to do it, if you feel like you can do that. Um, you have to diversify the running game. That's a scary proposition because if you go out there and you start running reverses and things like that, they might get blown up with Georgia's speed, right, and how good they are on defense. But counters, draws, you're going to have to try to do some things to take advantage of Georgia's speed and aggressiveness and maybe be able to use it against them. And then once your backs, who are very good and, and explosive, if they can get past that initial wave, maybe they have a chance to make some plays. So um, I know that doesn't give a specific game plan. And that all that that I said is way easier said than done, right? But that is going to be the key. They're going to – they it's going to be – it's too tall of an order to say, well, South Carolina's plan should be able to go out – should be to go out there, run the ball, get five, six yards of run, and just and just slow grind it. Georgia's too good to do that, too. You're going to have to hit some explosive plays, and you need some short fields. Really the key to the game for me, can South Carolina force some turnovers? Can they win the turnover margin by three or something like that? I think that's that's what it's going to take. So definitely opening up the scheme in terms of the run game. Can you do that in a week in your preparations? We'll see. But But there needs to be – you know, a little bit more there. All right, so we're at over 30 minutes, y'all. Um, I know it's an abbreviated show. I appreciate y'all bearing with me. Um, thanks for joining me today. Be back tomorrow. Uh, Two o'clock is the plan. DC Live once again. Um, Shane Beamer's calling show tomorrow night, but we will be back tomorrow. I uh, appreciate everybody for joining in today, whether you're on YouTube, clicking in from GamecockCentral.com directly, Facebook, Periscope, Thanks, everyone, for joining and bearing with me. Appreciated um, and, and enjoyed interacting with all of you. As always, go check out GamecockCentral.com for tons more content today. So I'll see all you guys tomorrow, and I uh, hope everybody has a great rest of your Wednesday.